you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So this series is uh, quite different from, uh, from the previous series that we had. So right in the front it says, Blessed Life. There has been a lot of uh, confusion regarding blessings. Sometimes there is those who believe that your blessings are only spiritual. It does not touch anything on the physical but yet, if you look at man, just like God, our God is a triune God. He's three in one. So when God created us, he also made us three in one. Not the coffee three in one, but we are three in one. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body, so we're three in one. So if we are to, if we are to have a blessed life, that blessed life should touch every area of our life. It should touch our spirit, it should touch our soul. And our soul is what? Your mind. Your emotions, the way you think, your memory, all of that are part of your soul. And then it should also touch our physical, which is your health. Fitness comes from you and your discipline. Health comes from God. Okay, church? Ultimately, strength comes from the Lord. Your fitness, you can do something about it. But ultimately, health comes from God. So that's why a blessed life would touch all this area. And in this series, I'm so, I was excited. I was, as I was studying it and I was going through it, it just really it seems like it sparked something in my heart that, yes, this is really going to be helpful for the church, and this is really going to be so good for the church. Amen? So let's start. So week one, this is going to be five weeks. And I hope that if you're here today, that you would even commit yourself for five weeks just to listen to the whole series. Because that's how, I believe that's how good it is, okay? It's going to be able to change our lives. It's going to change that area of our life, our spirit, our soul, and body. Because that's intended for that blessing. Blessing is not a man's idea. A blessed life is not a man's idea. It is a God idea. Okay, I just want to let you know. When Jesus was here, what, what was it that he proclaimed? He said, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. I have come to what? Preach the good news to the poor. Bind up the brokenhearted. And set what? Captives free. And that's what he did. I mean, John 10.10 tells us that what? He has come to what? Give us a life more abundant. And that's what he did. And that's what it is. It it has been my question in life, like uh, this past five years, is it why is it as believers who are not walking in that abundant life? And this series came along, and I think that's why my heart got excited about it. Because this... The, the principles behind it, the truths behind it will touch you. And it might be some part might be even so sensitive that it's really going to allow you to, see, to make a decision and to re- renew your mind. Amen? Okay, that was the introduction. Let's start. A blessed life. Week one begins with, it's all about the heart. <clears throat> First verse, please. Okay, first verse, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says here, Judge not that, you may be not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, remember these two phrases, or the beginning and the end. Judge not that you be not judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Just keep that in mind. Now, let me ask you the first question. Does money appear in this verse? No? No, okay, we're that good. No, it does not. Okay, second verse. <clears throat> now, Luke chapter 6, 37, 38. 
So the beginning of that verse was what? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. And the ending of that other verse was what? For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Correct? So what this is, is a parallel verses. You know how the synoptics, uh, by meaning of synoptics, meaning optic is eye, sin is synonym. So it's like this poor gospel is really like looking at all at the same time. It's like poor blind person touching an elephant. One touches the trunk, one touches the tail. And all they can see is all, all, all of that. They would describe it the way they felt it or they see it. So this is a parallel verse. Now, uh, question again. Let's read it. Let's read the whole thing. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, checking together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen? Okay, question again. Is money in this passage? No. (laughs) Somebody's stomping their feet. How can that be? Yet, money is not written in this passage. But yet, every time we hear Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 38, give and it will be given back to you, we always associate it with money. In fact, every time we hear the word give and giving, the first thing that comes to mind is money. Why is that so? There was a pastor that was interviewed by a, ma- by a magazine, and the interviewer goes, so pastor, how often do you preach on giving? So the pastor goes and say, I preach on giving every week. So the interviewer goes, what? You preach on giving every week? So, so the pastor corrected the interviewer and said, I believe what you're trying to ask me is, how often do I preach on giving money? See, church, giving is always associated with your heart. That's what it is. Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus tells us that what? Where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. Amen? See, and that's why the pastor said, I cannot preach on salvation or grace without preaching on giving. Because salvation tells us that for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. I can't preach on giving or I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because the the husband is intended or should love the wife as Christ loved the church. By what? By giving up himself to the church. So the Bible or giving is really an integral part of the Bible. and, and And based on that pastor's response, it's so true. You cannot preach on anything else without touching giving. Because it's always there. So he made clarification that what you're really asking me is, how often do I preach on giving money? And that's when he explained that he does it every three years. And this is that series. So just to give you a heads up, the very first, this will touch a lot of about generosity. And, how did, and you're probably wondering, how did Armin get excited about generosity? <laughs> Well, I hope you stay. <laughs> See, there's always been a stigma about giving when it comes to the church. How many of you could agree with that? When I first came to church, I had the same mindset and idea. Oh, the church just want my money. No. If that's you and you're sitting down right now and that's what you're thinking, here we go again. That man up there is preaching giving again. 
No, church. The church does not want your money. God wants your money. You know why? Because your money is attached to your heart. That's what it, Jesus said. Where your treasure is, your money, where your money is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God is always about getting your heart. If you guys have, been, if you guys have done one-to-one, the second topic that we touch on one-to-one is what? Lordship. One of the points on that is lordship, what? Once, or lordship is all about your heart. An internal submission that produces an outward obedience. So God is always about the heart. Amen? And that's our title for today. It's all about the heart. Let's go on. So see, uh, this pastor made a very interesting, uh, interesting statement. We are born selfish, but we are born again generous. And I believe I can relate to that. We are born selfish. Those of you who are parents, you put two toddlers inside one pen and you put one toy. What do they usually do? They fight over it. What do we want, what's, what's the most con- or what's the typical first word or uh, not first word, the, a word that your toddler picks up without you, tell, without you uh, teaching them? Mine? Mine? Dad? Ma? Mine? Mine? Where did you think the word selfie came from? Self. Because you are selfish. Okay, if you're not into selfie, if you're into groupie, let me ask you this. When, you, <laughs> when, you take a, when you're in a groupie, who is the first person that you look at after you take that picture? Self, isn't it not? Regardless whether it's a selfie or a groupie, you still look at your self. That's how selfish we are. So point number one. Point number one. Go ahead and put that up. Deal with a selfish heart. So Deuteronomy, coming from Deuteronomy. Oh, wow, the time goes by so fast. Deuteronomy 15, verse 78. So what does God instruct us on how to deal with, uh, on how to become generous or how to deal with this heart? Well, coming from Deuteronomy chapter 15, this is what it says. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. So it's about the heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. Verse 9. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. There's your heart again. Saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother. And you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you. And it becomes sin among you. So right here, God says that a selfish heart is a wicked heart. Now, what is this verse really saying? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, it says that don't have any wicked thought because the seventh year is coming. What is the seventh year? The Jewish nation, in the Jewish economy, God intended that there would be no poor among them. So that every seventh year, if you were a, if you borrowed money from a brother in the seventh year, that debt is erased. So what this verse is saying, now don't have a wicked thought in your heart. So if, say, for example, 
Brother James, who should be preaching next time, comes up to me on the sixth year of the six months and say, Armin, Brother Armin, you know what? My crops are so bad. Can you lend me some? God says, don't have that thought in your mind that, you know what, James? Six months from now is going to be the year of release. That means you, you don't even need to pay me. What's up with that, brother? But that's what God was saying. You got to deal with that selfishness because he calls it wickedness. Amen? Now, let, let me ask you this question. Why is it the church always says give? Why did God create giving? Let me ask you this question. Why did God invented giving? What do you guys think? Most common answer would probably be because he needs our money to do the work of God. Is that safe to say? No, no, no. Okay. Does God really need our money? No? Is heaven running out of gold in the, uh, in the road? I don't think so, right? Are they beginning to chip down the pearly gates because they, they, they're running out of uh, resources up in heaven? No. So what is it? Why is it that God invented giving? Well, here's a, cor- a quote from Robert Morris. Put that up, please. Why? Because giving, more than any other activity that a believer does, works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Go ahead, read it one more time. <laughs> giving, more than any other activity that a believer does, works selfishness and greed out of our lives. See, God invented giving not for his sake. Remember, Brother James likes to uh, use this uh, verse. God owns the what? The cattle on a thousand hills. Deuteronomy tells us that the heavens and the highest heaven belongs to God. The earth, everything belongs to God. So why would he invent giving? It was never for his sake. It was for our sake. Why? Because by the practice of giving, by the discipline of giving, it works out selfishness and greed out of our lives. Amen? So, but you can still take a selfie. Don't worry about that. Okay? We're not talking about that. So this So this is what this is talking about. This series is really, or this, uh, to give, when you give, what God is saying, give to give. No other reasons. Don't try to give to get, because that's not the point of giving. Now, if you go back to Luke chapter 638 earlier, and that is why I realized after going to this series that give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom or into your bosom. May not be the best verse to use when we're trying to apply it to giving or to money. Because if giving, the purpose of giving is to drive out selfishness and greed out, if you look at this verse, there's always that in your mind, behind your mind, that, oh, if I give, I'm going to get something back. So it doesn't totally drive out self selfishness and greed. And that's why I said it may not be the best verse for application when it comes to money. That's up to debate. It's up to you. But in my opinion, it might not be after, after doing this, I realize it may not be the best. Amen? So that's point number one. Deal with a selfish heart. Point number two is deal with a grieving heart. Ooh, it's all about the heart. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. I'll take your quietness as, uh, that you guys are listening. I'm kind of used to it now. <laughs> so before we give, we, there's this challenge of being selfish. Then after we give, 
there's this challenge of grieving. Uh, verse, uh, verse please. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. God told the Israelites, okay, Moses told the Israelites in God's command, you shall surely give to him. And your heart, there is the heart again, should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. It says, don't grieve. Don't feel so sorrowful. Oh man, I just gave that. Don't do that. That's what God is saying. Don't do that. In fact, I think this is a secret right here. This is a principle that God said that if you do that, if you give with the right heart, I will make sure that everything you touch would be blessed. That's not my word. That's God's word. I'm just repeating it. Amen? Now, thinking about this, I just realized, I don't remember where I put my wallet. We're going to go out for lunch and uh, I, don't even have, I don't even have cash with me. Anybody wants to? Oh. Hey, Patrick. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Let me hide it for a while. <laughs> Thank you. What's going on? <laughs> Why are you guys looking at my $100? <laughs> That's $100. Now let me ask you this. Let's, let's, uh, let's ask that for a moment. Why do you think Patrick went up as soon as I said uh, I might not have lunch money today? He has a giving heart. Actually, I take him out all the time. No, that's not the point. No. The point is this. Patrick, did you feel like, uh, did you feel grieved after you gave that to me? No. You know why? You know why Patrick didn't feel grieved when he gave that to me? Because I gave him that money before the service started. I did that to drive a point. The reason why we feel grieved, we feel sorrowful, and we feel like, oh, oh, I've just given that, is because we think the money was ours to begin with. And that's why we always feel grieved whenever we give. Because, oh, there goes my money. But Patrick doesn't feel grieved. Why? Because it was mine to begin with. And that's exactly the attitude... Amen. And that's really what God wants from us. That when we give, we don't first, don't be selfish. Don't think that in six months, don't be like the bank. The bank, those of you who work in the bank, I'm sorry. (laughs) The bank will let you fill up six pages just to lend. Okay? I was asking my wife, I wonder if the Jewish nation actually have a banking system today. Because the way God situated, the way, God's, uh, the way God put their economy, they can r- literally borrow from their own brothers, and every seven years, that debt is erased. So I was wondering, I wonder if they actually have a bank. I'll research that one day. But anyway, going back to our topic, we're straying away. See, church, uh, let me repeat that point. The reason why we grieve when we give is because we think that the money was ours. It was never ours, church. It was never ours. Because we're, what we're doing is really we're just giving back to God. What was uh, That song we just sang, that's exactly what it said, right? What was that lyrics? All belongs to you. 
Was it all belongs to you? All came from you? Right? All came from you. Amen? That was point number two. Point number three. Develop a generous and grateful heart. Now, this part is easier said than done. Plain and simple. Easier said than done. The verse, please. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. You shall supply him what? Liberally. Liberally. Generously. From your plock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. Listen to that. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. We just made that point in point number two, that it was never ours. And here it's being repeated that it was never ours. Supply him. Be generous. That's what your father is saying, or that's what God was telling the Israelite. Be generous. Why? Because everything that you have came from me. Amen? I'll jump quickly on uh, point number four, and then I'll come back and put this all together. Point number four is, or actually that is point three and four. Three and four is... uh, well, first, be a, uh, develop a generous heart. Then develop a grateful heart. The next verse, fifteen, fifteen, says here, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You know that whenever God says that, therefore, I command you this thing today, it, it means he's, he's really serious. Okay? And he was serious about his, uh, about his people. Um, so, but like what I said, to develop a generous and grateful heart is easier said than done. It always begs the question, where do you begin? How do you begin to develop a generous heart? I believe there's a practical step to it, and I believe there is one where God needs to take place before you can actually even begin. The practical step is, is, uh, is applicable Easily by what? Take somebody out to lunch. If you've always been selfish about paying your own lunch, don't want to pay somebody else's lunch, start with Wendy's. $1.29 for a price, $1.29 for a burger, $1.29 for a drink. Less than four bucks? Mathematicians. <laughs> Less than four bucks for a meal. See? You can start with that. Uh, amen? After Wendy's, you can go McDonald's. And you can move your way up, church. The tithes would be talked about in a couple of weeks. So I hope that you stay back for that. Now let's put this all together. And I try not to touch so much. On, I'm not one who, who really uses my personal, uh, my personal life uh, in messages because I don't want you to know what, I li- what my life is like. No. I believe if, you, if I can point you to Christ and I can point you to how Jesus is, I think that will make more impact in your life than what my life has done. But in this particular message, God woke me up three in the morning just to say, "It's okay. You can share a little bit of. Uh, you can brag about a little. You can brag a little bit about me, about him, not me. Um, generosity, like what I said, you can begin with Wendy's. From there, first of all, of course, your tithes is in order. This is really above your tithe, and I, I think our journey of, uh, of this really began when I I was. Uh, Yes, we, we take people out to lunch. We pay for their lunch. Then it became where, in, you know, uh, we would always take people out to lunch. And then it, it, it got bigger where we would take our whole home group out to lunch. And then uh, things like that, things of that nature. 
And then one day as I was reading Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, I believe where God says, Honor the Lord with all your wealth and the first fruits of all your increase. It's also found in Deuteronomy. God began to speak to me where it said, where it says the purse of your increase, meaning whenever you get an increase from your, from your work, when your salary jumps up, God, uh, uh, what God was saying, I want that, give it to me. So, no, I didn't hear it from any preacher. I didn't hear it from anybody else. I heard it from the Bible and said, okay, Lord, I'll give it to you. So we started writing it out. I used to get paid weekly back then, so I would write out, uh, I would write out the whole amount. Whatever I get for, the, for that increase, I would write it out and give it. Give it out. And that happened year after year. And, and God was so faithful that year after year, I got an increase. From the time I started it, I've always had an increase in my salary year after year. Uh, another testimony was the last year was the, slow, the, the, uh, the lowest one, but God did something even better. But that's not the point. So th- that's, that's how you develop, in a practical sense, a heart of generosity. Take somebody out to Wendy's, to Shirley's, to Denny's. Uh, buy them a Pepsi. Why not, right? You know, it's so hard, especially for our culture, when I say culture, I'm Filipino, so we also have that same culture in the Philippines as well as in Guam. That if I scratch your back, you have to scratch my back. If I open the door for you, part you got to open the door for me someplace else, man. You know, when you get to, when you we're talking about the job. But see, but that mentality is a, is a, it's a it's a humanistic mentality. I think it's a worldwide mentality that if I give, I'm expecting something back in return. But God's way is not like that. If you read the whole chapter of, uh, of the, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 7, in there it tells you that if a brother comes to you, ask no question, give it to him. Regardless whether he's able to pay it back or not. And that's really consistent with God, with Jesus, because he said what? Love your enemies, love the ones that hate you. Love where, nobody, where you don't expect to be loved back. And the same area when it comes to giving and being, being generous God really wants to do that to us, or God really is working that in us. Amen? And being grateful really means that, and how, uh, and how uh, in a practical sense, that generous heart uh, uh, in our journey, in my, in our, 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 me and my wife, every time God says, give, I always reflect back and say, God, you've given me so much more. What is this right now? Okay? So... That's the practical sense. Now, I want to take you, if that's not enough, I want to take you to the story of David. How many minutes do I have? Probably don't have enough time. <laughs> now, let's put this all together. A selfish heart, a grieving heart, and a generous and grateful heart. Now, David would be the very fine example of this. Would you agree? If there's anybody else <clears throat> in the Bible where God said, here is a man after my own heart, it would be you. David, I'm sorry. <laughs> Coming from Acts and 1 Samuel, God testified himself that David was a man after God's own heart. And this is coming from 1 Chronicles chapter 2, 29, verse 2. This is how generous David's heart was or is. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with you all my might, gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron, and so on and so on. And the last word is what? Abundance generosity, abundance. What is this doing? Or what, where is this story coming from? This is the story towards David's life or towards his king being king when he was about to pass the kingdom down to Solomon and he was building the temple. 
And this is what David offered to the temple. Uh, 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 The previous series, I was able to uh, uh, preach on giving also. Strange, right? And I calculated roughly what he has offered, not including the things that he didn't uh, wait or he didn't put uh, specific. He gave almost more than $4 billion in our money today. Now, would you consider that generous? Right? Now, Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. This is what he has to say. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly at this? For all things come from you. We just talked about that. And of your own, we have given you. The $100 bill. That's why he never felt grieved. Why? Because it was always been God to begin with. It was never his. So you can see David has a generous heart. And David had a grateful heart. In fact, that word where it says, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly at this? He considered it such a privilege that he can even bring up the offering. Four billion dollars worked in today's money, but yet David was so grateful. Amen? Now here's the question. Was David always like this? No. No, David was not always... Generous and grateful. David was just like you and me. Selfish and grieving. (laughs) Oh, nobody wants to laugh. Okay, I'll laugh. (laughs) David was just like you and me. He did not always start it like this. He was not always generous or was he always grateful. At one point of his life, he was also selfish. See, the story of David, the two most well-known story of David is what? The first one is when he defeated Goliath. And the second one is the most sad part. It's usually that's how people see it. The highest of your life and the lowest of your life. The second most uh, well-known story of his life is the, his lowest point when he sinned against God. Or when he, basically what, what he did, he took the wife of his man and tried to, uh, and she was pregnant, tried to, tried to hide it, what? Bring Uriah back to the palace and say, lay with your wife. Uriah was so... Uh, was so faithful to him, he did not. What did David do next time? Put him in the front, get the, got the man killed. So from selfishness, basically covetousness, to adultery, to murder, that's why we began by deal with your selfish heart because it, in God's eyes, it is a wicked heart. Amen? So that was the story of David. David really was not all generous and grateful. At one time of his life, he was also selfish. He coveted somebody else's wife. Now in, okay, let's open my Bible. Let me read for you, and we'll close with this one. Now, who was it that confronted David? It was the prophet Nathan. And he confronted him in a way that was, so, it was such a genius. He, he told his story, and this is a story coming from Second uh, Samuel verse two, uh, chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city... One rich and the other four. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herd. That was David, okay, in his example. But the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in its bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. Can you imagine that? It's like you having your pet dog. Of course, you don't eat your dog. Only that side of the world does that. Okay? <laughs> and the, tr- sorry. 
And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock. It says that the rich man was exceeding, had what? Had exceedingly many flocks and herd. But yet he refused to get from one of his own. Isn't that selfishness? Would you agree that selfishness? Continuing on. He refused to get to take his own flocks and from his own herd to prepare one for the, for the man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And then here comes David in uh, verse 5. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who had done this shall surely die. David basically predict, uh, judge, gave his own judgment that I should die. If, if he only knew then, right? And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Now, would you agree with me that at this story, David was selfish? So David was not always a generous man and a grateful man. At one time, he was just like us, selfish. But he was born again. I'll show you how he got born again. And and this is what uh, Nathan has to say. Verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, David. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you here. Listen to how many I is here. I anointed you king over Israel And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you so much more. You know, out of this situation, out of this this, uh, encounter came out Psalms chapter 51. And in Psalms chapter 51, verse 10, this is what David has to say. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That was the turning point. This was David's repentance prayer. Lord, I have failed, and my heart is not pure, and my heart is not clean. So therefore, God, create in me. A pure heart, a clean heart. See, many times it will take really an an appearance of God, meaning by the word, and really a revelation of God for us to really change our thought. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that we are born selfish, but we are born again generous. It takes a renewing of the mind to realize that. And a renewing of the mind is really a repentance. A changing of the mind. And I believe that a true repentance would come when you see that God is not how you think he is. In this particular passage that I mentioned about David, many believers, I think many even ministers don't really see this. The last, the, the last word that Nathan said. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Church, that's always been the heart of God. Even when he confronted David in his sin, God's heart was always been, if you've only asked me, my son, I would have given it to you. Church, that is the heart of God. And that's why selfishness really contradicts that. Covetousness is really when you think that what your brother has, God will not give it to you. See, we don't have a problem about the the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that God owns them. But I believe our problem, what I sense our problem is, or our, our faith cannot understand or cannot uh, believe is, whether God wants to give us those cattles. 
I think that's, that's our greatest challenge to believe. We have no problem that God owns the, high, the heavens and the highest heavens and the earth and everything that's in here. We have no problem with that. I believe, I sense that we have faith to believe that. But what we're lacking on faith is really to believe whether those cattle on the thousand hills, God is willing to give to us. And here it says that I am my son. If you have only asked, I would have given you much more. But yet David, because of his selfishness, he did it on his own. Amen? Let us stand up. Are we playing music after this? (laughs) Yes, we are. Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, we thank you for this series. And Lord, as sensitive as the matter is, as... And yes, we know, O oh Lord, that we, we have this selfishness in us, that we know that even before we give, we're already thinking, what if? And even after we give, we're always thinking, oh man, I feel so bad. Oh, what something happens? And Father, we stand as a church. We stand as individual. And I pray, O oh Lord, if that's you today, and God is, I believe God is already dealing with your heart. I don't even need to push for, we don't even need to create the atmosphere. I think God is already dealing with your heart. If that's you, I want you to place, place your hand on your heart. And I want to pray. We'll pray all together in the lines of what David said in Psalms 51. Father, create in us a clean heart. Remove selfishness out. Remove the grieving heart out. And Lord, develop in us a generous and grateful heart. This we ask in Jesus' name. Father, thank you that upon seeing you, that when we see you as a generous father who would follow after you, that we would be able to walk in a way that you intended us to walk. And Lord, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you for this series. And Lord, I pray, Father, for every one of us that's here. That Lord, we can stand at the end of our life like David with a heart that says, Who am I, Lord, that, I am, that you have called me to be privileged to even offer such things to you? And Lord, that's my prayer for our people that we would be able to see it in our days, that we would come to that place. So Lord, make us realize that there is really nothing in this world that we own, but everything belongs to you, and you have a willing heart to give it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.